traditions like midnight candlelight services, like singing songs like Silent Night, things that are familiar to us, give us peace. Traditions and just a little shred of familiarity, something we've seen before, a signpost, if you will, like I've been here before, I've seen this before. Just give us peace. And no matter how chaotic, we see the video, even on a battlefront, a familiar song can calm our hearts no matter how crazy life seems, no matter what comes our way. So tonight, we are going to step way out of the norm of what we do here at DCC, and we are going to step back into tradition. We're going to do a traditional call and response kind of a service. There will be a a short message, but you've got a bulletin. Everybody should have a bulletin, and everybody should have a candle because those will be incorporated into what we do. So this is a, a traditional call and response. So you'll see that you have a part in that. Your parts are written in red. And so I will say a phrase, and then you will respond back. Make sense? You thought, if you thought you were going to come here and just take a nap until it was time to go home, you were wrong. And then we'll do, we'll do communion and we'll do a candle lighting. Again, these things are all designed to give us comfort, which is exactly why the Lord wrote down the Gospels for us. It's why he wrote down every single word that's in the Bible for us to give us comfort so that we're not in a world full of chaos, just going, how do we find our way in this world? We have the very word of God to keep us grounded, keep us directed. And then every now and then there's a word of prophecy thrown in there. Prophecy such as the book of Revelation that we just went through the entire book meant to be an encouragement, meant to be full of signposts to us to give us that peace, and that comfort. So if many of you, if your today was like mine, and I've talked to several of you where you've been at the mall today or you've been shopping today, you know how chaotic that can be. And so the design of this service is, again, to bring us back to some tradition, but also to give us a time of peace. Many of you, this 45 minutes at this service will be, might be the only peace that you've had in the last week. And so my hope, my prayer is that you'll find that, that peace. So let's get into it if you have your bulletins. I greet you all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. A reading from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, read like this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. So tonight, we gather together to celebrate, to anticipate the birth of Jesus Christ not only as the birth of our Lord and Savior, but as the fulfillment of a promise, the fulfillment of many prophecies that we find throughout the Word. The first hint, the first hint of a coming Messiah was found in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God is actually speaking to the serpent, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So all the way back then, the waiting for a Savior began. Now, candlelight services like this, sometimes we use the word vigil. Candlelight vigil, if you've heard that. That's a traditional name for it. And it makes sense Because the definition of a vigil, if you look in Webster's, the dictionary definition of a vigil is a period of keeping awake during the time usually spent asleep, especially to keep watch or pray. Okay? In the Christian church, we call the eve of a festival or a holy day. Sometimes we hold a a vigil, a religious observance for that. And the tradition of a Christmas Eve vigil began way back in the early Jerusalem church as the consummation of the Advent feast. Now, if you're here this last weekend, I taught a little bit about the Advent feast. Advent actually is a Latin word, and it means coming. 
So that feast is just a celebration of the coming of our Savior. It's actually a, a conglomeration of a couple different uh, traditions. It began about 380 A.D. or so, the year 380, and it was a three-week fast preparing for another feast of Epiphany. If you've ever heard of Epiphany. Epiphany is when our Savior was revealed to the world, to the Gentiles, through the three wise men. So Epiphany, the Feast of Epiphany, is when the three wise men visited Jesus. And that's significant for us because up until then, the Messiah was known as the Savior, the Messiah to the Jews. But on that night, when the three wise men, three kings, three magi, however uh, you've been taught that, it's all the same. It means that Jesus was revealed to the Gentiles. So that's a, that's a reason for us to be thankful, not just the fulfillment of prophecy. That was the moment, the very moment, when we were allowed to share in the covenant, the covenant that God had made with his people all those years ago. So this is why we do that. Epiphany, again, celebrated typically 12 days after Christmas. So the 6th of January usually is when Epiphany is held. But over time, those traditions of Epiphany and Advent have kind of melded together to form the, the celebration of Advent that we, that we typically participate in now as Protestants. So that's what we see. Again, it's a, it's a spiritual preparation, your heart preparing for the coming of Christ. So tonight, as we hold this vigil in preparation for the coming Messiah tomorrow morning, Okay, a celebration of that time. We should be preparing our hearts for that greatest of gifts. So Jewish tradition holds that the day really starts at sundown. Okay, so we also see in Scripture, if you, if you study it, you see where Jesus was really actually born at midnight. So at midnight is really when we should, if you're going to follow it that closely, that is when the Savior was born. And that is the beginning of that of the Jewish day, or that's halfway through the Jewish day when it happened at sundown. <coughs> so this, <clears throat> excuse me, this is why we gather together to hold this vigil in anticipation of what's going to happen here in just 40 minutes. Children will go to bed tonight anticipating gifts. Many of us will go to bed tonight anticipating the gifts that are under the tree. <clears throat> and in all that excitement... Sometimes it gets lost on adults. Sometimes we're more, um, we're just more exhausted by the season. We're more exhausted by the shopping that we did today. Kids are full of youthful excitement, full of exuberance, full of, of uh, just what could possibly be. The possibilities and the anticipation are just endless if you're a child. But as an adult, not only do you typically know what's already under the tree, but you're thinking ahead to credit card bills and to the aftermath and the things that are going to be piling up afterwards. And we lose sight. We easily lose sight of what's happening. So let's go back a little, a little bit. Imagine that you are a Jew thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago, you have heard prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of a coming Messiah. You've been told since the time you were born, a Messiah is coming. You were taught the scriptures. You learned the Torah. You had all these things, and you knew that a Savior was coming. 
okay? You had, you had every confidence that a Savior was coming because you had, be, you had been promised. And if you're a parent, you might have been sitting there thinking, well, will my child be that Messiah? Because there were all kinds of scriptures talking about who that was and where he would come from, but it was hard to put the pieces together. Most Jews would go back to what Moses was told back in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen, you shall listen to him. So when you're getting that kind of guidance, and that's what you've been taught, you may look at every child as, is he going to be the Messiah? Is he going to be the Messiah? And with all this back and forth and wondering who it's going to be and when is he going to be born, when he did come, they missed it because he didn't look like they expected him to look. They didn't look like the powerful, all-conquering Messiah that they had expected. And so a lot of them missed it. And I think that's a lesson for us, too, because I think so many times we miss it, too, as an adult. We miss it, too. We see the trappings of the holidays. We see the decorations. We see the, the commercialism. We see all these things. But we miss the sun around which the holiday orbits. You see the, the phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's easy to repeat that, but do we really think about it? That without that, there would be no Christmas. There would be no need for it. And there certainly would be no need for a celebration of any kind if there was no Jesus. C.S. Lewis actually once said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. See, if you have Jesus in your heart, then things become clear to you. The reason to celebrate becomes clear to you. The reason that we have hope becomes clear to you. And without Jesus, it's impossible to have that clarity. So what do you see when you look at the world, especially in times like this? Do you see chaos? Do you see bad news on TV? Or do you see children laughing? Do you see puppies? Like a puppies at least once every morning puppy videos. What do you see? What do you fill your head with? What do you fill your heart with when you look at the world? Is it anticipation, thankfulness, childlike excitement over a coming Messiah? Or is it sickness, poverty, and lack and need? Or do we celebrate the very gift of life and salvation that we have in Jesus Christ? That church should be our focus for tomorrow. So when the sun rises tomorrow, I personally will see a, a reason to celebrate Jesus as a promise of God fulfilled in the flesh. So would you pray with me? Father God, we just ask that you set our hearts on you. In the chaos of the world, let us find peace in you. As we go to bed tonight, let our hearts not be swimming around in cares and worries of the world, but in childlike anticipation of a promise fulfilled in your birth. So, Lord, let us see the joy in the season. Let us see the joy in the moment. But overall, let's let us see the joy and the peace that we can have in the knowledge that you have come once and we merely wait for you to come again. 
another promise of God given to us. So, Father, we thank you. We celebrate all that you have done for us and will do for us. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So we are going to celebrate communion together right now. We will have ushers coming in the back. We're going to do it in our seats. So we will have cups of grape juice and a small piece of bread. The bread is gluten-free, if you're wondering. And while they pass the elements out, I want to explain. I'm going to read the scripture here in a moment. But when we do this, when we take communion... You know, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But let's do it more than just remembering what we've been told, remembering what we've heard. I would suggest as we do this, let's think about what life without Jesus would be like. Amen? The ushers will pass out the elements in just a moment. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. And long lay the world in sin and error pining till just hold the elements. And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope A weary world rejoices For yonder breaks The new and glorious morn For the slave is a brother. 
oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy Nineteen and 20. It says, And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We'll take the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You may drink. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We will now... Do a candle lighting. Jesus is the light of the world. In fact, Scripture tells us that Jesus, again, was born at midnight, born into a world of spiritual darkness. Before the birth of our Savior, we were literally and spiritually in the dark of night. 
On John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. light of the world. Follow him. You will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Would you please join me 
in the benediction. Some of you, this will be familiar. This is Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Go in peace and with the love of Jesus Christ in your hearts. You may be dismissed and Merry Christmas.